Welcome to season three of Motivate Me. We invite you to travel the 50 states in 90 days as we interview people about their passion. Why? In order to inspire you to live a life that's more exciting or more meaningful. This is Motivate Me, and I'm Lynette Renda. Today, I am in the ring, and I am sitting here with Danny Cage, and he is the owner and operator of the world's famous Monster Factory. You're a trainer and a coach, right? And wrestling yes. is your gig, Danny. 24-7. Uh, I have breaks here and there, because uh, I'm also a parent, a husband, but pretty much I'm awake for 18 to 19 hours a night and uh, a day, and this is my life. Um, Last night, you know, you, you'll be out till three in the morning getting stuff done, working in the office, editing stuff, getting meetings set, getting the show set, and then back up at nine for something as awesome as this, like an interview. <laughs> and then I'll be up till three or four o'clock in the morning tonight because we have a show that starts at seven o'clock, doors open at 5.30, uh, town starts rolling in at 2 p.m., and we will be here breaking down and moving everything over till about 11 or 12 o'clock. Then we all get together, we go over stuff for post-production. So that'll be till about three o'clock in the morning and then I'm up on Sunday doing it again. Back in here Sunday night, six to midnight, open ring. I have to tell you that does sound like a blast though. Oh, it is, it's, 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 it is, <laughs> I, I'm living the dream. Uh, it's, a, it's a long way to get here, but I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's... Wrestling is your passion? Yeah, without a doubt. Tell everybody how this started for you. Oddly enough, it started, uh, I knew right away at like age 10 that this was what I was gonna do. And um, everyone called me crazy. And there's footage of me back in 1998 in an interview on TV saying everybody thought I was crazy, everyone thought I was crazy. And I still think I'm crazy. I probably am. But the, the, when I started high school, I was tiny. I was four foot 11, 89 pounds and everyone laughed. and. I couldn't play football because I was tiny, so I wrestled amateur, but I wanted amateur experience because professional wrestling, okay, well, what's in there? Wrestling, so let me start wrestling. Then by my sophomore year, I was now 125. Then I was 135, and then by my senior year, I was 189 and six foot. So then I went right into wrestling, and it was not what I thought it was gonna be. Um, the in-ring stuff, the place I was training, the way we were being trained, Something just didn't feel right. I, I, I just, in my mind, I was like, man, if I had a wrestling school, I would run it like this. I would do it like this. I would bring these people in. There's so many different possibilities. And then through injuries and, and serendipity and everything that just works out, here I am now with a wrestling school. And that was started in 2011. And, you know, in five years, to see how far we've come in five years is astronomical. Um, from just a ring and three students to now two rings, this building. We have about 30 to 40 students, people in WWE, Ring of Honor, people getting opportunities. I mean, it's, uh, it's surreal to be like uh, going to WWE and get invited down there to hang out with them and having people come here for us. When, when I started this in 2011, everyone said, what business do you have training people? 
And now in my mind, I'm saying this is why. I mean, this is a good sized facility here. Yeah, we lucked out. It, it's uh, the coach from Paulsboro, uh, the head wrestling coach and the principal of Paulsboro owns the building with another partner, contacted us and wanted to know if we could come in and help them out with some stuff. So since we've been here, we've uh, did fundraisers for them and the wrestling team, helped them replace the roof. Uh, we really work together. We do stuff with the Little League. It's like, it's like a really cool community and it's a wrestling community. And it's just, everything just works. And you have some big name people who train here. Right? Yeah, and we have even bigger names now coming out. Um, we've had, uh, right now, one of our guys who's also a coach who I broke in with, uh, I broke in in 98. He broke in in 2004. Uh, we wrestled together. Now he just got his opportunity with uh, Ring of Honor. See, everybody thinks it's overnight. That was 11 years in the making, but now he's gonna be on TV and a regular on Ring of Honor television. Uh, we got him a tryout with WWE last year. Um, that, his name is Punisher Martinez. Um, we had Matthew Riddle. We trained Matthew Riddle from the UFC. He came to us. He went to a, brother, a bunch of other wrestling schools, saw this, and he's like, this is the place I have to go to. So now he's doing things with Evolve, doing things with uh, all these other different federations all over the place, getting to travel the world. It's just, uh, like I said, it's surreal. And to look at the opportunity that everybody has by working together and, and, and putting that hard work in. And there's times where everybody says they put in enough work, but like you always have to doubt yourself. Like, cause like last night when I was talking to you, I was trying to figure out a time. Cause I'm like, man, I'm only going to be able to get like four or three hours of sleep. But then I'm just like, well, screw it. I mean, I, sometimes you have to pull those all night or sometimes you have to have no sleep. And I realized that maybe sometimes I don't work hard enough. So if I'm asking everybody to do it, I got to do it. So thank you for this. I totally get what you're about. What is it that you love so much about wrestling? Like, uh, how does it make you feel? I tell everybody that the coolest thing I think is the, the creating memories part. Um, sometimes I just sit back there and I look through the curtain. I always get emotional when I talk about That's this. Okay. This is the part where I crack my neck and I make myself not cry. Um, uh, if there was like a beer here, I'd drink a beer, do something to feel very manly. Um, I just look through the curtain and I see the parents with their kids because we're a very family friendly place and the parents are there and the kids and everybody's smiling and like this is all because of what we do. I mean, I think that's the coolest thing. And then like, um, the kid that we got signed to WWE, uh, he's at NXT right now. He did two tours in Afghanistan, um, had no other job, had nothing going on. And I contacted Joel Brisker from WWE. This was in 2012 to come take a look at him. I was like, you got to get here. And we had a camp and it was for everybody, but it was primarily because I knew if he got in front of the right people, he could get that tryout. Well, now he's there three years with a job with WWE. And then I look like if I wasn't here, and if that opportunity didn't happen, you know, he wouldn't be in the position he is. He might not be married, he might not be, you know. So I just look at the impact it has and like the, the legacy that you can kind of leave, like, in a, like, I don't worry about the money because like everything pretty much, I dump right back in here, like these rings, they're $5,000 a piece. These chairs are $20 a piece. So like to make the money back, it takes a while. So I realize that and I have a awesome supportive wife that gets it. She's been with me for 
16 years now. We've been married, oh, she's gonna kill me, a while. <laughs> um, but <laughs> she, we, we, we don't really worry about uh, anniversaries and all that stuff. We don't even get presents for each other for Valentine's Day. We, but I get this, this is about much more than wrestling for you. Oh yeah, it's, but it's that vessel, wrestling's yes. that vessel, but like everybody has that creative thing. Cause like when I got hurt back in 2002 and three, I didn't, I, I could tell I, like my creative, like I was just, I needed to do something. So I started writing and I, you know, I was doing everything because like my, I couldn't even watch wrestling because I was like, I can't do it anymore. And then when this came about, I was just like, well, now I can jump right back in. And, you know, the creative goes, like, I learned how to, I do everything. I edit our, uh, all our content. I upload all our content. I do all our social media, which we have five different things for social media. Our Facebook, we have three different Facebook pages, three different Twitter pages, three different Instagram pages, uh, our own network. I edit all our videos, upload the content. So, like, we have no employees. It's just all me. Um, I do our merchandising, everything. So like when everyone says that they don't have time to do things, like I don't buy it, it drives me insane, especially when you're 19, 20 years old. Cause I know what you're really doing, which is what I was doing when I was 19, 20 years old, which was partying, <laughs> drinking, chasing girls, doing stupid stuff that wasn't getting me to my main goal. You know, and there's no way you can unteach that. You know, someone has to, it's up to me to kind of uh, show them the way without show them the way and not holding their hand, but almost leading by example. And then it gets contagious. And, and some people here are getting it and others are just, they're just gonna be kids and they're just destined to well, find out time. for themselves. Yeah. yeah, it takes time. So the thing is though that you went from somebody who was wrestling to somebody who is an, an owner of this business. And one of the things I love that you just said, because I talk about this on my show all the time. Like, let's say I, I used to be a competitive swimmer. Obviously, I'm, I'm not gonna make it into the Olympics at this stage of the game. But if I miss that sport, I could get in by volunteering, right. by coaching, by doing other things to keep that love in my life, just like you did. I'm trying to get people to act on that, get back into the game of what they love. So how did you transition and what kind of obstacles did you have to overcome? Um, the transition was fairly easy for me because like I said, back in the 90s when I started, in my mind, I was always, man, if I ran a wrestling school, this is how I would do it. And I was always planning and I was always writing down ideas. Plus, I also would look at other successful people and see what they did and kind of apply it to the business I'm doing. Um, whether it's shoveling crap or plowing snow, you can apply it to almost any business. You know, that hustle is still the same. So I think the, the hardest part I had the transition was people taking me seriously because most people who own wrestling schools made it to the big leagues. They went to the WWE and all this other stuff. I never did any of that. I had maybe 100 matches, which is unheard of to now be training people. But I always had a mind for wrestling. And especially today's game, right inside the ring is a very small portion of it. And what other people in the wrestling business aren't taught is everything outside the ring is which would you focus on. So a lot of people will focus on what happens inside the ring, but a lot of it goes on outside the ring. Um, I don't think the pro wrestling business ever had a shortage of good wrestlers, but there was a lot of people that didn't know the business of pro wrestling. And that's why we saw people um, with head injuries. That's why we saw people with drug addiction. This is why we saw people not handle their money well. You know, burn bridges, get in trouble. So we try to teach everybody, hey, 
we might be oddballs, we might be goofballs, but this is like a professional sport, sports entertainment, so you have to act accordingly. This isn't the 80s, this isn't the 70s. So a lot of people didn't take me seriously, but then once I got the first guy to WWE, people started to listen, and then I said to myself, well, if I'm gonna go all in on this, I'm gonna start investing more in bringing big names in that are known trainers, and I'll let them sit here and watch me train, and I'll train with them, and if I'm doing it right, they're gonna let me know, and if I'm doing it wrong, they'll let me know. They've been in it 40 years, and I know if I was in the business 40 years, and I was next to someone who was doing it and wasn't doing it right, I'd let them know. And these people up and down said how great I'm doing, and I And mean, word sp spreads yeah. quickly. Yeah. Like they would be then, you know, sharing your name with other right. people in the business. So it just, I'm like, why not invest in myself? And that's what I tell everybody else that we train. If you don't invest in yourself, why should anyone else? This is not, everybody, it's a call to business, but in the first couple years, it's like any other business. You're not going to make money. So when people come in and they think, well, I'm going to make an indie wrestler and I'm going to, those guys who are making money were doing it 10, 15 years. Like when you first start, you're not going to make any money. Same way when you start any business. You're, you're going to be lucky if you break even and then you pick up the momentum. That's what we try to teach these kids because that's the hardest thing is they don't understand. They think they can go to wrestling school and they're going to make millions of dollars right out of the gate and that's just not gonna happen. It doesn't happen for anybody. So what have you learned about yourself? Uh, that I don't need that much sleep and that um, I also am a better coach than I ever was a wrestler. And I think it goes back to the days of me wrestling amateur wrestling and seeing the way my coaches nurtured me and took care of me. Cause I didn't play any of the sports in school other than wrestling and not having like a, the, the, the greatest father figure in my life, it kind of helped me see what was wrong with a lot of the kids we do. I got a good uh, emotional intelligence where I can see, okay, something's inside this kid's head. Let me take him to the side and talk to him. Because like I said, what happens in a ring really means anything, nothing, because I can, you can teach anybody to do anything. Um, it's getting a, a connection with them and, and making them believe in themselves and pushing their creativity to kind of do like I did, like my strength wasn't in the ring. So I had to do the marketing, this, this, and this, and I brought people in to help out with the in-ring stuff. So it's kind of, uh, I have a good emotional intelligence where I can see what's going on in the kid's head and, and try to fix it before it becomes an issue, whether it be here or outside. Well, something else that I think you're really good at too is by envisioning this for yourself, and then you even said that you took notes and you looked at what other people were doing, analyzed it, and would have knew that you were going to apply this. You were mapping your brain to achieve this, and then you achieved that vision because that's exactly what they say to do. And when you say that you're looking at other kids, like the kids that you're working with, what you're doing for them is you're teaching them to do the same thing. Envision themselves being this type right. of person, achieving whether it's in the ring or outside of the ring, you're helping them build a, a, a vision for themselves that they're gonna to work towards and, and their body is going to naturally achieve that. And, and, and you see that in some. And then when you don't see it in the others, that's the, the most frustrating part. Because like, I'm like a teacher, like other people go, oh, just let them go. And I'm like, well, what kind of teacher does that? What kind of teacher says, oh, well, this kid's getting Fs, 
screw him, he'll just be stupid his whole life. Like, I don't want to lose a student. I was a teacher for 12 yeah. years, high school. And, and you don't want to see anybody fail. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. Not all of your students are ready, but they'll get it. They will get it when they, when they can see it. Yeah, but the, the only frustrating part is they'll go somewhere else. Like in, in school, they're stuck being there or they drop out. Like these kids, they'll just go to another wrestling school and play. That's the major problem is we try to make it so this is the measuring stick and everything else is, is, is not even close. I won't be surprised if you see some of them coming back. If I let them. That's, that's <laughs> all that story. If I let them in. So what would your final advice be to people about pursuing passions in general? Don't want it more than you work for it. You know, because that's the hardest thing. Because, like, it's easy to say, and we get it all the time, I wanted to do this my whole life. And I go, really? Then why do you look like that? And why do you have no money saved for school? But you got on the new Nikes. You got the new smartphone. You got the Xbox One. Did you always want to play video games? You found $500 for that. Did you find, you know? So that's the big thing. Because, like, when I knew I wanted to do this, I was getting in shape every day. I was studying match tape. I had money in hand, and I was ready to train. So the biggest thing is don't talk about it. Be about it. And invest in yourself, because if you don't, nobody else will. And it's a tiresome, tiresome game. And also look outside the, the realm of what you're doing. Like if I was studying to be a hip-hop star, I wouldn't just study what hip-hop stars do. I would study what somebody outside the business did to get their name out there. Uh, study, you could study anything in any industry, like I said, and apply it to yours. Because sometimes the answer isn't inside your circle and sometimes you might find something that helps you and now you're an innovator inside your circle and all you gotta do is borrow what somebody else did or come up with your own thing. That's about it. That's awesome. Can you share contact information? How can people get in touch with you? I give everybody my cell phone, I don't care. Okay, go it's ahead. It's on my car. You can text me at 609-471-7904 or just call my cell. I don't care. I'm available 24-7 because my wife always yells at me because my phone can ring at 4 or 3 in the morning because people don't know times, you know, other places. But I always say, like, I might miss the next big thing. Like, I'm not going to miss that call. Like, Matt Riddle called me. His lawyer called me. And within three minutes, I called him back. I missed the phone call, but I heard the message. I called his lawyer right back. And he's like, you're the only one that got right back to me and actually said, come on in. Everybody else said, why is a lawyer calling me about this guy? Why is this? So, like, that's the main reason. Like, I'm just like, I'm always going to be available. Someone calls me, I'm getting right back. And if I don't, it's probably because I'm either stuck in a meeting, driving somewhere, you know. So, uh, I'm on Twitter, the Danny Cage, at 4 Monster Factory, the number 4 Monster Factory. On Twitter, at the MFPW. On Instagram, real Danny Cage. Snapchat, real Danny Cage. Instagram for Monster Factory. So there's a lot of ways to get in touch with me. You're making it happen. I love it. I try to. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I have come to be known as the 50 States in 90 Days Lady, a concept that is unfathomable to most. If you would like me to come speak at your event about how to envision, explore, and execute a plan or how to create a life that is more exciting or more meaningful. You can find me at MotivateMePodcast.com. And the world keeps turning and I just keep moving along.